everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Mission Daily. This is your host, Stephanie Postles, CEO of Mission.org. What and up? I'm jo- Hi. Hey, Albert. I'm joined by Albert Chow. Albert, how's it going? Good, good. Listen, you sprung a topic on me today, and so uh, it threw me off. You threw me off my game. As usual, you, you ask me a question, I'm like, I, I just don't know. So for anyone listening, listening, my new method is I want to throw a topic into Slack for Albert to look at, but he only has like 10 minutes to prepare. So if I seem way more knowledgeable on this topic, that's why Albert only had 10 minutes to look it up. Uh, because I was like, I am not getting on this call for Albert to be like, uh, I don't really know what you mean, Steph. I'm like, not today. I need to give him 10 minutes to at least go into a Google rabbit hole and figure out what we're about to talk about. Well, listen, so, Stephanie yeah. definitely likes, you know, she doesn't like to talk about things that are like, I don't know clearly evident that don't require thinking. You know what I mean? She likes to talk yeah. about things that require thought. Like yeah. I like talk looking at the news. Like I clearly see what's happening. Oh, this is well, happening. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mm, okay. I'm not even gonna say I like that. I think it, if it matters to me, I like it, but yeah, I like going I into, yeah, into different spaces. So today we're going to be talking about mental models and that's yes. all the context I gave to Albert. I said, go look it up, see what you see. Um, where this inspiration came from was I was actually listening to an interview with someone named Kevin Kelly, who we've had him on our previous uh, podcast before. He's super smart. We actually went to his house and recorded in California. And um, he's just a really interesting guy because he's considered a futurist. Tech, like He's, I guess, predict- predicted a lot of things when it comes to advancements that have been happening. Um, so he has very interesting viewpoints. And I found him on the Rich Roll podcast, which I never normally listen to that podcast, but a friend sent it my way. And it was interesting because I was listening to him and it was reminding me of like, man, this guy is very fluid with his knowledge. He does not seem like he's boxed into any one space. He was dropping, you know, different examples that were coming from uh, biology, that were coming from, you know, certain like, math equations or whatever. He was going into psychology I and mean, he was kind of all, all over the place in a good way. He had like a fluidity of knowledge that I was like, mm, that's pretty uh, cool to hear someone who's just not in their silo. And it started making me think about things that you and I, Albert, have talked about on this show a lot of just how quickly the world is changing. And sometimes I look around, I see people who are a little like overwhelmed by how quickly things are changing. Yeah. And my thought was like, maybe it's because we are not taught to sit down and think about mental models of like how to make decisions in a rapidly changing world. And what, what things I was finding before this interview, um, have you heard of the half-life of facts before? No, but just based on what you've just said, um, I'm assuming it means that anything that's true will be proven to be distrue over a period of time. So what's the half-life of that? Like carbon dating. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. See, you know where I'm going with this. So yeah. Well, I'm guessing based on the title, that's a great title because, well, I knew what half-life of carbon dating was. So. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. I mean, so when I started looking at the half-life of facts, people were just talking about how now facts and theories and studies are getting disproven quicker than ever before. And when I first was looking into all the things that we grew up thinking were true that have now been disproven, I'm like, it reminded me to humble myself and be like, <laughs> you can't stick with what you know from seventh grade anymore. Like what you learned then is probably many of the things you learned could already be disproven. And so that was the one thing that I was hearing where I was like, okay, that's something I haven't thought about much that a lot of the facts that we think we know could already be false. And then the second thing was a replication crisis, as in a lot of the studies that we get our information from can't be replicated anymore. 
And there's a lot of scientists who've been trying to replicate certain studies. Uh, I know like that Stanford prison experiment was trying to, they tried to replicate it. And basically human behaviors, um, I mean, everything's kind of changing and they can't even replicate the studies that we're basing a lot of our lives off of or decisions. Um, so with those two things, that's why I want to talk about mental models, because I just think, what if everything we're using right now is outdated? <laughs> well, I think it will be. Um, yeah. I think that is proven time and time again. And I think that, you know, I think some recent news actually supports what you're talking about, right? Vice is now declaring bankruptcy. It was valued at a couple billion dollars not too long ago. They had figured out a way to drive or obtain user traffic in such a significant scale that they became a massive publisher. Mm-hmm. And now they're done. And that happened in a really short period of time. BuzzFeed News, same thing. Like, right? They got really good at writing. BuzzFeed's the kings and queen or what I don't know you know what, what do you want to call them but of like of clickbait or or people <laughs> they turned it what they did was clickbaity mm-hmm. they kind of figured it out but they also but people also changed and so yeah. it's really hard to sit at the top it's so hard to sit at the top um what you're talking about probably plays a huge role in it which is people their interests change super hard mm-hmm. to predict what people will like or dislike in um or behave like in uh over a period of time of let's say 5 to 10 years yeah, I mean, that's what it was making me rethink the case studies, you know, when you go through school, the business case studies that you're looking at and you're kind of mimicking. And I mean, just like the example that you mentioned, how they acquired users, how they made money might be a thing of the past um, or maybe not. But it's just it's interesting how quick things are changing and you really just can't look around and copy and paste and think that things are going to work just because it worked five years ago or 10 years ago. Well, that's why uh, I always cite. I, I always cite that one factoid about Bezos who probably cites it from someone else, but he likes to think of huge long horizons and it's like, what are things that won't change? Mm-hmm. And uh, so like one of the, for anyone who's listening has not heard this before, but one of his tenants was customers are always going to want the best price. Like that's never going to change. Mm-hmm. He said, there's no, there's no realm. There's no realm he could see in the future where people did not care about the best price. And uh, you know, he's probably right. Now, how, quali- how you how you get there is really hard. <laughs> what about quality? Because I feel like you can say, okay, there's toothpaste and I want the best price. But nowadays, I actually, I see a shift happening where there is a new consumer group coming up who care about different things like ingredients, like how it's sourced, uh, where it's coming but it could from. Be still the best price in that category though. Yeah, right? in that category. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you could say, hey, these are organic soaps or organic um, toothpastes, natural toothpastes. Mm-hmm. And you still might want the best price in the category. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then he's more figuring out the behind the scenes to make sure you can get the best price to the consumer. Exactly. Yeah, and not- No uh, matter what it is, mm -hmm. right? How do I get the best price on something? So there's certain things like that that drive it. But for for what we were talking about today in regards to mental models, where were you coming from? Because um, I did a little homework. Uh-huh. And I read a couple examples of different mental models and yep. I was like, you know, these are, they're basically just labels. Mm-hmm. I would say they're, they're labels where they've, they've, I guess enough people think like that where they've kind of grouped them and mm-hmm. uh, c- created a label for some people. So yep. for anyone who is not familiar, a mental model is just an explanation of how something works or how how you think. It's an overarching concept or framework or worldview that you carry in your mind and they they help you understand life and uh, if i read i read in uh the james clear he talks about a lot of different options or different ways people think 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he uses in there in different categories like common knowledge, comparative advantage, diversification, economies of scale, anchoring, classic conditioning. So there's all these yeah. different ways people think, scientific uh, method. Uh, there's They have models in similar to engineering, mathematics, all these different things. Yep. Wisdom seekers. Um, so it's effectively a, a sub a, – if enough people behave a certain way or think a certain way, you might get yourself a group. <laughs> they might yeah. put you in a group. You get a name. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I was thinking about these mental models, my first thought was what are mine and which ones am I using to guide any actions in my life right now? And basically going around and kind of getting back to what we talked about in a previous episode of like first principles – Am I being guided by any biases or upbringing or things I think I know that maybe I should question? And so that was the first one of like, and it's not really using the the labels that you just mentioned, although I do think that's a helpful explanation of like a mental model, you know, supply and demand. That's a mental model that you kind of learn how the economy works by supply and demand. like Or scarcity. Um, or scarcity. Scarcity is one. I know that you've yep. used that word uh, multiple times. Yeah. So I think... My first thing was just going around, like, just thinking about how I make decisions. Because I'm like, how often do we do that where we literally pause and we're like, let me think about how I think about things. I mean, we just do it. We are in patterns. We're just moving really quickly and operating in life. And so that was my first thing of just like, how am I making decisions right now? And trying to just see it. Is there any moments where I've maybe made decisions or have had a pattern come up where I'm like, man, that just keeps not working, but I don't audit myself properly. You know, you just like keep moving and then it happens again a couple months later and you're like, oh, again, like, why is this happening? But you don't stop and pause and be like, what got me here? Um, so that was step one for me of just like thinking about my life. And it's so personal for me. That's why I'm like, I don't know if it really even matters. I mean, everyone's very different. Um, but then thinking about how I can at least high level look into different mental models or what's happening in certain spaces and bringing them into my own space for it to make sense. Um, so for example, for me right now, for everyone who knows, shit, shit's happening. Things are <laughs> happening in my life constantly. <laughs> and something that was uh, interesting for me to look into was uh, the second law of ther- thermodynamics or you know Murphy's law. Like anything that will go wrong or can go wrong, it will go wrong. Or sometimes you'll just hear people be like, shit happens. And I think when you start reading into that more and you realize that as life goes on, more chaos can happen and you have to kind of like rein things in to make sure that more chaos doesn't happen. And I think uh, maybe James Clear talked about like entropy and how looking into entropy is one of them. Um, But to me, just knowing that one gave me more peace of mind because I'm like, so far that hasn't been disproven. The second law of thermodynamics has not been disproven and it still makes sense. And it kind of makes me be like, it's okay. This is just life. And I can keep kind of putting up bumper pads and trying to guide things and knowing that like shit's going to happen because there's just a higher probability of things that can go wrong sometimes than like a big success. And that's okay. It's just meant to happen that way. So for me, that was just comforting to me. Whether someone else needs that mental model, I don't know. Um, But then how do you blend those into other versions of it? That's where I think the interesting things happen because so often we're like in these silos of, like I said, biology or math or, you know, whatever it might be, finance. And how you can kind of start learning high level about certain ones and then blending them. That's how I think you can make better decisions. So this is where we talked about before is this is where I think I'm probably, actually more I think about, I don't think I'm an oddity. I'm probably what you discussed in the beginning, which is people fall into their patterns of behavior and they Mm -hmm. just don't really, they don't really change. 
I, I think that that happens to a lot of people. And then, so yeah. what happens is the world changes around you and then either by sheer luck or, <laughs> or misfortune, if you want to call it, you're either prepared or not prepared for whatever's happening around you. And so for myself, I think to myself, like I'm just, and I was trying to identify myself because I couldn't figure out, I didn't have enough time to read through all the uh, yeah. options. Oh. So, oh yeah. So well, I don't know all the options either. I should look that up. <laughs> all the options. options. Well, you can create so, your own options too, by the way. You don't just have to go with his. That's correct. So I consider, and, and it was funny because I, when I was younger, I remember being asked this and, and I still think to this day, I am still the same way. So I call myself, if I were to label myself, I would say I'm very utilitarian. So for those of you who have studied economics, I got an A, not going to lie. Um, I did not, not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Econ 101 and 102, A, put it here. <laughs> One of the things they talked about was marginal utility and that it does, whether it's finance or goodwill or you could put it, it was just a blanket way of measuring let's call it benefit, right? So marginal utility was benefit. And I was like, when I heard this, I was like, man, I really think I'm probably utilitarian in that whenever I approach a decision, I always think to myself, what will give me the most benefit? And the thing I, the things I value the most, and I, and I really only put it to like two things. I really only have two things I really use to evaluate. And one has, and they both have different degrees. So my- yes, the, time. The, well-being of my family. It's actually okay. the well-being of my family. I lean towards short, uh, long-term. I will, I will, I will short-term sacrifice for long-term gain for the well-being of my family. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is leisure time, mm-hmm. and I lean towards long-term. Um, I'll lean towards benefiting the long-term. So I'll do a short-term sacrifice if it gives me a long-term gain. Um. I'm getting better at, I've noticed I've started eating a lot less because I just asked myself this question before, like, will this help me in the long term? And, and I mean, you know, does eating a pint of ice cream going to help you in the long term? No, it's not. But it's short term, really nice. Uh, <laughs> you and your ice cream are so funny. Yeah. So I've, I've now created ice cream day. One day out of 30. Oh, okay. Only <laughs> instead, one? All right. Instead of five days out of 30 or, you know, every day, 30 okay. out of 30. <laughs> Where I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. for one day I can have some short-term, mm-hmm. whatever, short-term eating fun, but then long-term. So I've started like, without dieting, I've started losing weight um, just by asking myself this question. Like, will this mm-hmm. help me long-term? Because as I get older, you know, my time is, yeah. we all have a finite period of time, but it gets getting smaller and smaller, right? And we know that. And so I, I, I think of myself like I'm utilitarian and I don't know if it's good or bad, but that's how I've been for a long time. The mm-hmm. difference is my long-term is getting smaller. So it is changing the way I make decisions. Because mm-hmm. you, you, you remember being 15 and thinking 30 was a light year away? Uh-huh, yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, I'll never be 30. Like 30, <laughs> 30 is so old. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. And now you're in your 30s, 40s probably feels like it's coming up quick yeah you know what i mean it doesn't feel so far away yeah yeah i mean that's why i was saying all these mental models though are very unique to individuals like what you're thinking about right now is so different than me um and Mm -hmm. i also think that you have a lot of mental models though that you are running on as you help me make business decisions i mean i i see how you kind of like think about things and examples that you pull in. And I do think you have a lot more running behind the scenes um, 
but they're not possibly you know, very large life ones. It's just like, you know, our team will go to you for a lot of questions because you quickly can kind of take, okay, this hasn't worked before. This one has based off this person I interviewed. I remember them talking about building their company this way. And you kind of pull things together in a way that makes sense to make a quick decision. So that those are mental models. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I don't consciously think about how I think. Yeah. But I think that's what I was mentioning in the beginning is yeah. like, that's the thing that I started kind of questioning is, okay, yes, everything that I'm using to guide my decision right now is possibly helpful. And it can also maybe over time, as you become an expert in anything, it actually might be less helpful. So that's, you know, because then you're just spotting the things that look familiar to you and answering it in the same way. Um, So that's what I was kind of auditing of myself of like, okay, before I make a decision right now with anything, and there's so many things going on in my life, like taking more of a quick pause and just kind of being like, let me think about the whole landscape of this. And instead of just quickly acting on what I already think is true, let me think about the different possibilities. And the one thing I've started doing now is more inversion thinking, which What's that I'm mean? sure that, so that is basically uh, worst case scenario. <laughs> like what is the exact opposite of what I want to happen? And this has actually been probably one of my more powerful, I'll just call it a mental model. Yeah, why not? Anything can be a mental model if you want to call yeah. it that. If, so, you, if, you, if you can find enough people that fit your thinking, you yeah, got one. I think I can find people who would agree with this. But so yeah, inversion thinking, I mean, it goes back to if you've read about like Stoics before and how mm-hmm. they would basically imagine like the worst case scenario and it would help them overcome their fear of negative experiences happening and it would help them plan better. And I kind of did this inadvertently um, in a, a certain setting where I basically was imagining the worst case scenario around like the kids because I had so much just mom guilt around stuff and it's a whole thing, but it was very helpful just kind of releasing control around that and releasing fear around that. Um, I also do it when it comes to business stuff now too, of like, okay, if shit hits the fan, like what could happen next? Or, you know, the worst things possible happen and then what? And what I notice is that it actually frees up my thinking to think in a very different way because I've already gone the route of like worst case scenario. I don't ruminate on that. I just go through, here's all the possible scenarios and then, okay, now I see it, now I'm done. Um, and then I, you know, come back up and I'm like, well, now I already know what it felt like to be there. Let's do the things to prevent getting there. Um, but once I said like, or uh, once again, not ruminating on it because you already know how I think about manifesting and like focusing on what you want. So I still think that's really important, but for a quick minute, minute going into the places that you're most scared of have actually been most helpful to me. So inversion so give me, thinking. Give me a t- if you can, it. give me a tangible example, like yeah. So Expl- I, apply yeah. that thinking to a real thing. So show me like what you were doing, what you thought about the decision you made and then the reasoning behind your decision. Yeah. Yeah. So the one, I mean, we, we always talk about like mission company stuff here. So back in the day, maybe in what, 2020 or whatever, when mission was not doing well, was in a ton of debt. And I just started going into, cause normally I'm optimistic. I'm a very optimistic person. That is just how I am. Um, And I just think it's helpful. I think optimistic people usually help change the world. And if you're pessimistic, you probably just don't. So and people will probably (laughs) shit on me for saying that. But I think you could be a perma bear. Well, Peter Schiff's a perma bear. He's still doing okay. I mean, by by many means, you know, he's always anti-Bitcoin and people he's been like changing the world, though. 
No, but I think that's also... Like having an opinion is one thing. Yeah. But are you changing the world? Because I think to change the world or to make things better, you have but to. But if be that's optimist. the, but that's your only measure of success, that's that's rough because well, I think they're the ones so that, few people change the world. Well, that's true. But I think those people who do are the ones who are optimistic about something being able to be changed. Okay, I agree with that 100. percent So that's yeah. not like optimists change the world. They're the ones who yeah. are even taking the first step because they believe something better and bigger is possible than what they currently see or experience. Um. Okay. Yeah, it's hard to chase things you hate. <laughs> exactly. That's why I'm like, that's, yeah. I mean, that's why I don't really have too many of that those kind of people in my circle. Because I'm like, I want to be around the people who are at least betting and trying and uh, not thinking like, it is what it is. Whatever it is right now is reality. And, you know, it's all downhill from here. Maybe it is, maybe not, but that's not how I think. Um, so for mission, when the company wasn't doing well back in 2020, I just started going through all the possibilities of like, let me lay out everything that could happen right now. And what does that look like? And get myself to that place. Like, don't just quickly think about it. Go through, okay, I might have to declare personal bankruptcy because like all of this debt is compiled in Mission's name, which is also my name. I co-signed on, you know, a loan or whatever, like all these yeah. other things. I'm like, so yeah. step one, I might have to declare personal bankruptcy, which means for seven years, I'm not going to be able to do loans, which means it might be harder for me to start another company, which means- Well, I like, mean, the other thing about bank, like seven, the seven-year windows doesn't stop because when you come out of that, yeah. you will still be seen as having port. It's not like your credit is instantly yeah. approved. You know what I mean? You still yeah. wouldn't be able to buy like a house. Years, you still wouldn't be able to job. get a car. You still wouldn't be able to- yeah. A lot of things you couldn't do. Yeah. Yeah. So I was getting there though, of like even after seven years- things still will probably feel a little bit harder. Yeah, yeah. Even after seven years. And okay, I have to lay off a large portion of my team. Like, what does that look like? What's that going to feel like? Okay, what could happen after that? Okay, then I might have to try and hire people back if I need them. How hard will that be? And so I just started going through all the scenarios of what maybe scared me or worried me. I might need to go and get a job. Where would I work? Okay, I'd have to shift my whole life again around how I'm doing things. Uh, working for someone again is just might be a little bit just different. And so I just went through all the scenarios of like worst case scenario. Um, and what I realized was it wasn't that scary. <laughs> Even when I went through all of that, I was kind of like, huh, okay. Uh, now that I know all the possible solutions, what can I do to prevent those things from happening? <laughs> like now I know every angle and what are the, what things are the biggest deal right now? And at that point, the biggest uh, issues were, was the amount of debt that we were in. And so what was one of the first things I did? I started calling these creditors or debtors who, you know, who basically we had loans with or big payments to and started trying to get out of them. Because to me, that was like the biggest thing that could get our company in trouble was owing people a lot of money yeah. and if not you, paying it. If you have $1 profit, you cannot die. Yeah. You can yeah. just choose to not continue. But if you have too much debt, you're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it helped me kind of organize priorities because I went and I saw the worst cases of things come back, organize like priorities to be able to decide more than ever, yes, I'm going to be here to rebuild it. And to be able to rebuild it, I need to focus on these things first. And so it helped me make quicker decisions afterwards instead of ruminating in a place of like worry and like fear of what's going to happen. It's like, I already know what's, what could happen. I already went there. My emotions went there. Now I know how to fix the thing. So that's one example for uh, business. And then for personal life, one thing I've thought about before, which is also a very like stoic thing to do, um, is imagining what would happen if my kids didn't have me. Mm. And I did That's this. Intense. 
Yeah. So, and this was in a ceremony and it happened without me wanting it to happen. It, sometimes <laughs> people can call this like an ego death kind of, I was like on the verge of it. Um, ego death is where you flip over to the other side and you're just in a place of bliss because you have no attachments to anything, anyone. You're just kind of floating <laughs> around. I was hanging out in the scary part where I never went to the blissful state. I was just in the scary part, but this was one of the most profound experiences I had because at the time I was, what I now realize was I was feeling so much pressure on me, like single mom, everything like was coming back to me. I was holding up our whole house financially. I was holding up like, you know, helping pay for grandparents stuff here and there. I was holding up the boy's dad. Uh, my partner was also working at our company. And so I just felt like, oh my gosh, all things come back to me. What if something happened to me? Like my boys would not be okay. I'm the only, like, you know, I'm the main parent in their life right now. And I was just feeling a lot of anxiety and overwhelm and just like, just stress. And I'm sure a lot of, especially moms feel this, especially if maybe the dad isn't always present or even if he is, it's still like, but my kids need me. They need me more than anyone, you know, even. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just definitely a mom thing too. Um, but I went into the ceremony and it, kind of showed me like first I see a vision as it's kind of like oh, what is that movie called I can't remember what it's called but it's where he sees his kids and they're on the shoreline and he like can't talk to them though he just sees them playing do you know what that what movie this is the space uh, one I think I don't know but that scene seems like it's part of a lot of movies I know yeah well, like mm. even in Fast and the Furious they look back and they see Paul Walker uh -huh. <laughs> so it's not like it's a <laughs> It's a I common know. scene. I want to look this up, though. <laughs> to be clear to everyone, uh, I hate Fast and Furious movies, but uh, just just so everyone knows. Or Brad. It. <laughs> it's not it's not Interstellar, I don't think. But keep going. I mean, I think that scene is in enough movies. I know it is in a lot like, of movies. It's, it's you looking down, like basically like you're in the afterlife, or you're in another dimension or another yeah. world, and you're seeing yeah. your family as you knew them. Yeah, but without yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. So whatever the movie was. It was just him looking at his kids and like they were just there, but he couldn't talk to them. Um, and so that was the first vision for me of like looking and seeing my three boys so sweet and just being like, oh my gosh, I love them so much. Like they're so sweet. Oh, I could just eat them up. They're so cute. And then it was like, fast forward, I looked at them and I'm like, oh man, I feel a lot of love for those kids. Whose kids are these? And I, I didn't feel like they're my kids. And then it like fast forward again. And I'm like, those are cute kids. Who, whose kids are these? But I still felt this weird tie of like, I feel kind of like I know them. And then fast forward again, and I didn't even know they were my kids. And I was just like, just looking at them with still love of like, whoever's kids these are, they're super cute and sweet, but whose are they? And this whole process basically made me, but the whole time while I was going through this, I was feeling like my heart was getting ripped away from me, like slowly mm. kind of, of like the feeling of like getting ripped away. But then what I realized after all of that was this piece of like, my kids will always be fine. They will always be fine no matter what. And it just gave me, uh, yeah, just a lot of peace of mind that like, it's not all on me. There's a lot of community. There's a lot of support. There's a lot of people. My kids are strong AF and they will always be fine. And so it just helped get me out of this state thinking that like, I'm the most important thing in their life. I, they need me more than anyone else. And it allowed me to come back and not only be more present with them because I really honestly felt what it felt like to lose them. 
which how many times do you actually feel that? I'm sure many people don't actually go all the way there. You yeah. might think about it and get sad for a second. Yeah, most people don't even want to it. think about it. They don't. They exactly. Don't even, yeah. they don't even try to imagine it. Yeah. So I went all the way there and I felt every step of the process. Um, but I came back and I was just so much more present and was able to just be like, okay, what actually matters? Because sitting down and you know playing this magnetic block tower is the most important thing to do right now <laughs> over the laundry, over even whatever it might be. Um, and then I also just had this level of anxiety completely disappear where I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's not all up to me anymore. And that's, yeah. So it just made me feel a lot better. So that is another way of inversion thinking. So we have a business one now and a personal one. Um, but I mean, that's just, it's been a very profound way for me to operate in life now. Just thinking about that, but not ruminating in it. Like, I don't, I don't want to stay in that space of where I was. I went, I saw it and I'm like, okay, get me out of here. Now to continue to manifest and bring in the things that I'm excited about. And I'll, I'll flip back to that. I was picturing myself picturing yours. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? As you were telling that story, I was thinking, oh, what if we so I only had one kid at the time um, mm-hmm. when I had a four-year. Well, when I had a four-year-old, I had two. Um, so I was picturing myself in that mm-hmm. time frame. You know, like did I even think about those things? Not really. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that I did think about growing up, for me personally, similar to to you, is actually what was taught to me by my mom. Was that it's like your duty is to raise independent children. Mm-hmm. It's like a life without you at yeah. all times. Which yeah. is crazy. That's my how, what my mom actually believed, mm-hmm. but it, in a way similar to what you talked. So like, basically, you enjoy every moment you can, but at the same yeah. time, you can't overdo, you know, overdo the caring and the providing, mm-hmm. um, because your kids will eventually not have you, uh, whether it's yeah. through natural or unnatural reasons. They'll they'll eventually be independently alone, or mm-hmm. on their own, and you want them to be self-sufficient. Yeah. So I was yeah. thinking about what you were saying. I don't know if I would have thought the same way. Um, because the, the, and this is part of me is like, um, and I didn't list it before, but I, in general, I don't like to overly struggle. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I do either. Like I said, it yeah. happened to me without me. I did yeah. not say, take me to a spot where I lose my kids yeah. in my mind. Like I definitely did not <laughs> want to go there, but something brought me there. And then I was like, Oh shit, I know why I'm here. Like, because but of I all think, the other things I'm feeling. But I think for you on the business side of things, like that fortitude that you displayed or have displayed in this time period is similar. I mean, I've read other stories of people in similar situations, but I know you personally that have witnessed you go through it. It is quite unlike, I think, what most people would possibly do. Um, I think to myself, like what I, you know, I mean, I know what I would have done because I even said this was my advice. We should we should stop. <laughs> I mean, that was literally my advice. Like, you're already a smart person. You have plenty of skills. Like, you can say you can do something else. And and uh, in a way, I kind of that's. I mean, me personally, I kind of I'm like water. I flow towards the path of least resistance. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's a good or bad thing, it's just how I think about things. So I can, but I can commend certainly laud the decisions you made because they're unlike, I think what most people would stomach. And therefore that's, that's what I mean. Like that's, that's what probably really separates people that there's like the, the, there's a thing that, so there's optimism that you identified, Mm -hmm. but there's also this bulldoggedness that, uh, you know, like venture capitalists and people who talk about funding companies that they value quite a bit. And it's because of that, which is, no matter what road you take, you're probably going to encounter so many problems. So 
they don't want to invest in someone who's not going to take those on. Mm-hmm. And so you have that trait. That is a very, very admirable trait. I like that. Actually, I just got an idea of like the amount of doors you open are just going to increase the problems that you face. I'm like, that's my problem. I just opened so many that's doors. That's why I don't even look. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't even, like, you don't even peek behind the curtain. You're just like, I'm I wouldn't good. be, I wouldn't get killed in a horror movie because I wouldn't go check it out. They'd be like, oh, there's something happened. I'm like, <laughs> I would. I'd be like, I'm going to come over here and fuck you, know you what up. I mean? Every horror movie up. starts out with the person who hears the, you know, a scratching on the window. I'm like, I'm leaving. I'm not staying yeah. around. I don't even want to go see what's happening out there. And I go right into like defense mode, like, hi-ha! Like, <laughs> I remember when my sister and I would be in the house when we were younger and we would hear something and we literally would go into like fight mode. And I'm like two little blonde hair girls thinking they're gonna do something. But <laughs> that was like our first instinct was like, guess we just gotta fight whoever's outside. We gotta like fight them off. And I look back, I'm like, that's just so mean. <laughs> By the way, Jen once joked that she she talked about like, and, and, and I tell all all women, by the way, all women and men, really, but m- women are more likely to be attacked. Let's just get serious. Women are more likely to be attacked. Yeah. Should attempt to attack a man to find out what would actually happen. I'm serious. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> because a lot of women think, oh, I'll just kick him and, you know, I'll kick him in the groin. He's done. And like, Jen, I don't think you understand when someone's mad, like, that's not going to work. Like, they, they, they will brush through that. Yeah. Like think most but guys in the NFL. But you have to act crazy. Like literally yeah, most go to guys the crazy. in the NFL don't wear a cup. Like you know what I'm saying? Like they don't care. Yeah. Uh, so so what I <laughs> to demonstrate, I grabbed her by her wrists, and then I uh-huh. pinned her wrists together and held them with one hand. Uh-huh. And I just kept poking her in the head, <laughs> and she but couldn't get out. But did she go of it. full crazy? Because she knows you. <laughs> yeah, like, that's true. She did. I wasn't being yeah. violent. She wasn't being violent. But I was kind of demonstrating. I would like, have I'm gone straight so violent much stronger on you. than you. Like you can't do anything about it. <laughs> I would have literally gone just straight crazy on you, and you've been like, Steph left me in claw marks, and she poked my eye out with a pen, and. <laughs> no, I would have your wrists together, like like with one hand. <laughs> All right, next time you're here. And I'm gonna doodle a hangman on your head. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. I think mind over matter, maybe, or just, you know. But period. there, there is a reason why. Yeah, for sure. We, uh, I think I, 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 I recommend for anyone who thinks they can self-defense to actually go take some self-defense. It will be useful. Tim go Kennedy down. has one for women that I want to do. He lives somewhere here nearby. Austin. Let's go. Get it done. I know. It's Get it like done. I just, I just want safety. to see choking out people left and right. Just like wrist locking, like. There's certain things, by the way, in jujitsu that are considered like unethical, like uh-huh. finger manipulation. Uh, <laughs> finger <laughs> yeah. manipulation? What? Oh yeah, because like the fingers are easy to break. It really doesn't take oh, a lot of pressure. Okay. So if you I thought you meant pick... like doing a pinky promise type thing. No, like, no, no. So you. Like, <laughs> if you were, if someone was grabbing you and you could wrap, you could you could easily control a finger okay. and just snap it and just start snapping their fingers. Uh-huh. Um, so like certain things in jujitsu yeah, that are seems... uh, considered like you know like people don't grab the mouth like. There's others, people that are, you know, less moral. They have less moral uh, <laughs> authority, but yeah. I want to go for the belly button. No one would expect it. They'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, if you, don't, if you push hard enough, it might. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I don't know how tough a belly button is. I've never touched mine. I'm like the Pillsbury Doughboy. I know it giggles. Oh, this is where my mind goes. All the most unexpected things. So, well, we just went off on a great tangent. Um But anyways, I I think my challenge for myself, for you, for anyone, I think it is just a really interesting thing to just audit how your thinking is being done. What models are you doing consciously or unconsciously? Go and check some of them out, like the ones that Albert was listing out, because I just think at a very high level, it's kind of interesting knowing a 
little bit about a lot and just kind of seeing how the world works. And then also being like, that one's about to get disproven. That one's probably going to go out of date. Like, and just kind of learning to think a bit differently because I think it will impact, you know, creativity, problem solving, personal life, business, all of that. Um, I'm already seeing it with me myself. Yeah. And no doubt put it in modern context. And I think the way you, we, we started this conversation, which is assume what you know today is going to change. Can you yep. predict what's going to be different? Can you, are you ready for that? Um, can you succeed in that environment? Do you need to succeed in that environment? Some people are like, I don't need to succeed. I'm already rich. You know, forget <laughs> it. <laughs> Other people might be like, wow, I have so much left or so much more. Mm-hmm. The time of your life that you hinted at from the beginning plays a huge part. It, mm-hmm. it really does. I mean, like my mindset is, like I said, t- the only thing you know for sure is your time is finite. Yeah. That's hundred percent. Right. And so it does, I think, change your perspective as you, you know, I'm middle-aged. I don't know what people think middle-aged, but I'm 43. Well, I lived 86. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> you will. Call no, that people, in. Males in my family die early. Everyone dies early. So do I, I'm, I'm like 13. Do I have 13 years? Because if I have 13 years, I'll outlive my dad. I think you will. We'll see. We'll break it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for going there. Uh, I'll let you. Actually, I won't know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna throw the concept on you last minute again because I think this is a fun way to do it. Um, if y'all liked it, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up. You know, info at mission.org. Personally, ping Albert on LinkedIn. Do what you gotta do. Tell. <laughs> let us know what you think, and uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Oh, I can't wait for my next topic. Dang it. <laughs>